What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the One Deeper Podcast. It's another general club this time with the boys, Dennis, Andre, and Fuma. We discuss a lot of things, a paper on psychedelics, and, you know, the usual digressions come up, but we try to keep on track. The paper is linked in the description, so please take a look. And thank you for tuning in. Hope you learned something. Bye. We're not gonna call it the. We're not gonna call it. We're gonna call it the. Habaradu akandambige. We're gonna call it Habaradu experience. We're we're pretty similar. We take a bunch of mushrooms. We do jujitsu. We lift weights. Some of us are bold. <laughs> on purpose, motherfucker. On not, purpose. I'm not bold by choice. I'm, uh, bold I'm by not, choice. I'm not bald bald because I have no choice. I'm doing this. <laughs> What I, is the I want to be like this. You watch a lot of hunting videos, much like Joe Rogan. I want to learn how to hunt. I'll be honest. I really want to learn how to like. Like yeah. I think Dude, I saw some geese this morning on the pond. Did, did you see the geese, boys? You can't just the hunt, big ones. You, you can't just hunt geese, bro. Yeah. But they look delicious, dude. No, no, no. You can. Like, I, but I okay. Anyway, the point is, and they're pretty vulnerable. I think I can kill them with my bare hands. No, ge- geese are fucking dangerous. They hiss and they the attack ma- you. Oh yeah, they hiss me today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at the females, I think, yeah. and the male comes up with me. That's the, that's. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're, 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 okay. When I say hunting is like I want to know what it feels like to like. I mean, I've I've killed and eaten my I've killed fish and eaten them obviously. One nuts. But I but to, to to shoot a higher order animal. Anyway. Boys, Fuma, welcome to your first uh, journal club. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I hope uh, I hope you enjoy yourself, and we can do this more often. Uh, paper today. It's good. It's uh, this this whole entropy thing keeps showing up all over the place, bro. I've been thinking about it a lot, and uh, I have a lot to. T- I mean, I, I have a lot to. S- I have I don't have a lot to say, but well, yeah, I do. But uh, because this. Paper hits me, you know, in a certain way because I am being, tri- I am, I, I, I take, I am on a mild, on a very mild dose. Well, not, I don't know, it's mild, but a dose of an of antidepressants. I've been on it for about two years now, two, about three. I think it's like the just before start of the program, um, and I also have, I also take a small antipsychotic. I'm totally fine talking about this on air because, like, yeah, it's just cool, stuff right? I do. Cool. I know, like, yeah. I, like, I, like, I, I'm, I'm not trying to hide anything. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so it's nice to read about this paper and like a lot of the things that they talk about. Really, like, I, I'm like, oh man, yeah, this is exactly how I feel, or like, this is exactly what it's like, you know. So this idea of like um, being st- like uh, being stuck in one loop of thought, right? Just be just constantly thinking this thinking of these things the same way over and over again. And there's this amazing game, uh, text-based game called Depression Quest. Okay, so it tries to give you an idea of what it's like to be a depressed person. Right? And one of the things is, so one of the things is like so you you start off at this person, like I'm in bed, right? And then you and you can there are a bunch of options you can choose to do actions to take. But some of the actions are just they are they are there. You can read them, but they're crossed out. You can't physically choose them, right? So that, that, that that's meant to sort of uh, meant to exemplify the fact that like 
things that seem like obvious options to an average person who who is not in a in depressive state just don't even occur to you like they don't like they just they don't, they don't appear in the space of possible actions that you can take mm. right so um this has been something very interesting so when i the first time i took psychedelics was i would say i think i was probably around 23 20 23 right and that was probably in like peak self-loathing peak depression times right like my room at the time basically looked like a rat's nest right like meaning like i i would like but th- like there was like layers of clothes just around my bed and i would like rest in them like like a rat <laughs> right and and it was not good like I, and like i masturbated all the time were you also skinny fat was yeah, that skinny fat was that jack today or skinny fat no, no, skinny fat all Ooh. the way with right. rolls on your neck no 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 i wasn't that no like actually actually the only thing that sort of probably kept me alive at that time was that i did get introduced to weightlifting and being in the gym mm. by somebody f- uh, from my fraternity and that was the only thing that got me out of the out of my apartment right i went to the gym just that's all I, that's the only thing i did like i didn't have like i didn't have friends really and cuz they had lives and they wanted to live them out right and they wanted me to li- join them but i just never wanted to do them like and i would uh, by some miracle i'd go out and go out on a date every once in a while right so i don't know how but it's college in america it's like hitting a it's like you throw a rock you can hit someone you can <laughs> it, it, it's fine right but like uh and, but then when i'm there all i'm thinking about is going back home and just like being in my room i'm not even with that person you know and i drank a lot smoked a lot of weed so basically just numbing myself from the fact that my life was fucking miserable and right. yet the gym like in the gym somehow you you that was one thing yeah that was that and that and dora like, it was weird video games obviously keep you like they like make you forget right so I, when i played dora for that for that 20 minute 30 minute session of a match i was motivated i was driven i was like excited i was getting shit done i felt i had a purpose right and then i kept medicating myself with that I played so many games over and over again. And then when I'm not playing, when I so when I was not playing Dota, I was half-assing my schoolwork, my grades were in the shit. And I was smoking weed or I was in the gym for a little while. Even in the gym I wasn't like I was just doing it. And but but like it was but yeah, but, you were going. but it def- but it definitely kept me sane. It was the one constant in my life that kept me going. Anyway, sorry, wrong wrong introduction, but th- I, I wanted to set the, set the stage as well as to why uh, I found this paper quite interesting because somewhere along the line right I don't know how I I don't know who gave me the mushrooms but I remember taking them and like it was it was like it opened up this whole different way of seeing things right and that's where I really my journey started and obviously then it took a long time you know i took like i nothing improved immediately but it gave me a glimpse that i don't have to keep thinking about things the way i'm thinking and a bunch of things sort of converged i was introduced to jordan peterson around like a little while later 
and then I was and then I was like, oh fuck, I need to get my shit together, right? And then it started, right? Little by little, I started on this, and then I finally got act therapy, which is if anyone listening, psychedelics, you can't just take a bunch of mushrooms and think, yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> like I'm good now. You need help, right? You need like if you need if you think you need help, it's useful to go talk to somebody. But anyway. Uh, that's the yeah, place I'm coming from. And, and to be fair, that that seems uh, really much in line with uh, in the paper. If you go uh, around page uh, 15, it talks about depression, OCD, and addiction. And I found really interesting uh, that it says that these these states may be relatively stable, in the sense that they have basins of attraction that are relatively steep, so strong, and that's uh, so that strong. is uh, actually to prevent you, at least according again to the paper from a more catastrophic collapse uh, to to primary consciousness yeah but thing so is thing is thing about thing, thing about certain problems is it has to get worse before it gets better right yeah you that, have that's to sort of go into this fucking hole and try to rebuild something because the things things you have already are not working yeah right? but but still our mind is trying to prevent us yeah, from yeah, having yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, total yeah, exactly. breakdown a psychotic episode it's like the i, I don't know if you're familiar with the region beta paradox no, go ahead. Like it's basically sometimes things would be better if they were worse. If you had a worse job, if you had a, a, a girlfriend that was just that much more nagging, if you uh, oh were I in just that, that for sure, I don't exactly place, you would take action and make it better. So, so when I was before I came to this program, before I started on this whole new journey, now before I said fuck it, I'm gonna like go back to basics and go from the bottom, right? I was I was at a job, which I fucking hated, right? Every single day I went to work thinking, why the fuck am I here? But I got paid well, I had status, and I knew if I just like stayed there, worked it, did the whole thing, I'd get to the top, no problem, right? But like there was no intellectual engagement, there was no growth, there was no trying new things, there was no like everyone around me was like coming in, doing their job, and any new idea I brought up was a threat to them being able to do their job. And I was like, yo, no, that's a bad idea. Okay? So that sucked. But I was comfortable, right? I was getting paid. I could, you know, I, 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 they they paid for my fuel. They paid for like it's a fucking absurd, right? Yeah, life is good. Life was good. It's but I had, and I knew I would not make a change unless unless I fucking just quit without a parachute, right? I was like, mm. so I went out to my manager. I was like, yo, I'm done. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I quit. That's it. And then I gave notice. And then I was like, fuck it. Now I gotta figure figure some shit out, right? And that was the impetus, like you just said, to get me off my ass and fucking do something. Yeah, paradoxically, it was made harder because it was not that bad. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Had yeah. it been worse, it would have been easier to jump out of it up there. I think that's a bit what our brain does in those in those situations. Like, it really tries to hang on to those cycles that it found to be stable, that, that maybe depression or OCD or addiction, just to prevent, like, just, it, of course, uh, uh, um, how's it called? A psychotic episode would be would be a terrible thing, but but it may yeah, be bring that thing closer to your, your mouth and you, when you speak a little bit. That the, just pull it closer. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Do you do you think that maybe is this generalizable to just like narrow-minded individuals? Like I'm thinking about some adult people at times, like my grandpa, for example. You know, his mind is stuck in like the 80s, and you know he's thinking like an old caveman to me. Is is that kind of the same thing? To be fair, I was I was while reading this paper, I was also really thinking about the social implications, because nowadays we're going more and more towards an economy that is ever changing, a society that changes more and more quickly, and uh, keeping this sort of pre-conscious state, this more 
um, malleable consciousness or, or being able at times to revert back to it by the use of psilocybins or, or other means may be a, a tremendously useful. Whereas before, when things were stable, you do not need to change as much. You know, you can form your, your grown adult mind and sort of be stuck in those loops. It's, it's great if things do not change. But if society keeps changing, then you have to keep adapting or, or die out. And I think that's what happens will, with old people. That's part of the reasons they have a harder time adapting to new things. This is really interesting. So basically, one of the things that you take away from this is that in today's society where things are moving so fast, it can be more beneficial maybe than it has been previously to be more adaptive and to be able to change these attractors, these basins, and kind of you know change with the flow of the time and make sure that you're up to date with everything. Exactly. That's. I would want to run experiments on society. Like I would, if I I would totally imagine myself giving, doing A/B testing on children and old people with mushrooms. Like I really wonder. What, how would a mushroom taken at eight years old change a person's life? My, it might I not do, at I all. want to do that imagine quantitatively, not qualitative study of interviews and questionnaires. Maybe even you I want to see what changes in big-ass groups of people, thousands and thousands of children that take mushrooms and they take a placebo. I'm really curious how those lives turn out. I mean, Huberman, Daddy Huberman had spoken some shit about taking mushrooms before 25 but still, at least from what friends told me, the, s the primary states, the psychedelic states, offer, offer bases of experience that, that people spend their lives and die without never getting a glimpse of it. I, I really do wonder what would happen if you take that re really early. Yes. My, so when you, like, I think when you're a kid or let's say a younger adult, you have solved the opposite problem. You have too many, your, the entropy is too high as it is. So you're trying to, like, 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 like somewhere in the paper, I think it mentioned the work of Freud where he mentioned, where he, where he says he, you, you sort of grow into your ego, right? Like you, develop it it grows it develops wi along with your exp experience of the world and your and it sort of catalyzes um, I, ho I, I hope i have this correct but like catalyzes as you develop right and so sir we know that certain parts of personality are quite strongly fixed as you get older right like uh, i re i read a quote about um that said um people uh, who have people 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 who have one kid understand uh, genetics no 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 genetics but people who ha who have two kids understand no something around the lines that where, where, where the idea is that like if you have two children you notice immediately when they're really young how different their personalities already are as they're mm. when they're very when they're very very young I think if you have one children one child you understand inheritance if you have more than one child, more than one children, you understand mutations. Something maybe like that. I have no idea. But 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 general idea, right? So my thing with so in the paper they say, like for example, openness, which 
So personality traits are incredibly hard to change. But the fact that after 12 months of... After psilocybin, psilocybin prescription uh, injection, what, 12 months later or like 12 weeks later? 12 months later, something like that. Cons- consistent improvement in openness, right? Which is like, that's a lot. That's a big yep. deal. Yes. And for, ch- for children, for young people, I think it's the opposite problem. I think... Oh, another great thing I another great thing I, I heard is like the drugs you abuse tell you a lot about the problems you're facing, <laughs> right? So like, I- for a per- for people who have a lot of the opposite problem, right? The entropy is way too high. They tend they tend to abuse things like cocaine, uh, ritalin, that do nothing but just give you this laser focus on one thing, mm-hmm. do this one thing, right? Like I've tried cocaine. Fuck it. I'll say it on. I'll say it on here. Let's let's make a round. It's an appropriate moment to make a round. Not a round. I can't go to jail for things I've done, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, things I've things let's, I've taken. Let's yeah. say instead, what drugs have been done at this table? Let's not put a name on the drug. In the table. Uh, okay. Okay. Anonymous. Okay. Anonymous. okay. Mushrooms. That kind of dominates it. Mm-hmm. In all shapes or form, pills. I think. Um, we are about to get expelled. Truffles, regular shrooms, body shrooms. What else? Are, what else? Acid. Yeah. Yep. That also. You agree, Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. What else? Uh, you naughty boy. Uh, Opium. No. Sativ. Uh, what was that? Salvia. Salvia. Definitely. Salvia root. Salvia is something else, bro. <laughs> that shit is nuts. That's what Dennis told you. Ritalin. Uh, uh, Molly. Like um, liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ecstasy. Okay, why are we not? This is not a good. This is not <laughs> good. This is making us we'll look terrible. We'll cut it up. We'll cut it. We'll this is making it us look terrible, right? No, it's I mean, too late. No, just caffeine and alcohol. <laughs> caffeine, <laughs> alcohol. Not, uh, not, yeah, not often. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> alcohol for the antioxidant. For the what was it? The red one. Okay, okay. So, so none of these things have been like. Okay, fuck. I feel like I need to say something to keep myself. S- I don't know what 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 what, what could happen. That doesn't matter. Fuck it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, in terms of brains, right? First of all, who the fuck's on this, this whole thing? Second of all, all right. I mean, Andre has already proposed uh, um, experimenting on children as yeah, young yeah, as yeah, eight yeah, sure, <laughs> to sure. to have beta tests. So for I think sure. we, someone listens to the whole thing. We're gonna have bigger problems and drugs. <laughs> so the 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 point I was trying to make about the drugs we abuse. So. I have had the misfortune of being around people who have been struggling with these things, right? A lot of, a lot of, Jesus, man, why the f- I, I, I'm glad I have better friends now. Thank you, guys. Yeah. But I used to be around people who used to abuse this shit a lot. Like, specifically, I used to know someone very intimately who routinely abused prescription medication. Not just any medication, though. The ones I just mentioned. Mm-hmm things that narrow your focus because the world is so chaotic there's so much happening around them they just couldn't control any of it and this would be like they would just go off on random tangent and then just for like the next eight hours be completely focused on something completely useless right but the the fact that they could be focused and driven towards one thing brought them so much relief i mean it it feels really good when you can really focus on something so dude you know when i'm stressed out and i'm like things are feeling out of a lot of control i find i find a good programming problem to solve calms me right the fuck down because like it's this one small narrow thing that has a directed focus and you can just work through it when especially when you, when you feel like all these things are happening things are completely out of your control right um 
and one weird thing I know I know about uh, tru- psilocybin and truffles, for example, is like I feel like I'm still recovering or like integrating my last truffle experience, right? Because like this weekend, all, like I almost had a moment where I was like, where I learned something about myself, right? And one thing I learned is that the suplex, yeah, the suplex. So I suplexed Andre, out <laughs> and and I and and I realized something. I, 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 uh, not just like on the street in in jiu-jitsu, okay? No, it's, not, it's not like I walk up to this guy Thank and suplex this motherfucker on the road, <laughs> right? He's fine. Yeah, this is in a in a, in a controlled environment. It was fine, but um, no, but it wasn't. Fucked up my shoulder for the next two days. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Okay, part first of, the, of all, man, the, the fuck game. up, bro. Like, relax. Okay, I I I don't. I apologize. S- see you on the mat. No. See you on the mat on Saturday, bro. I apologize for okay. The, the, uh, I take my response, my part of responsibility. No, no right? shame, no fault. Okay. And the second part, of the, sp- the second part of it is, yo, man, the fuck up. It was just one suplex, right? <laughs> Relax. Okay. Anyway, the point is, I realized that I had this. I've had this habit, or I still have this habit, where I take out m- my pain on people that I care about, right? And I realized, th- I realized this week that you cannot let your actions be dictated by the pain you feel. It's not a good generator function because the results and behaviors it generates just leads to more pain and suffering, right? Like, so when I, when I did, when I, when, I, when I was sparring with Andre and I noticed in that moment that I just wanted to hurt this guy, this person I, who I consider a brother, right? Thank God I couldn't do it because he's, weirdly strong <laughs> okay but skinny criminal baby the skinny, the skinny criminal strikes again right like, try as I might I couldn't hurt this motherfucker and I was like and then it, it's not that I tried so like when I tried to su- when I suplexed him he immediately realized Yo, what the fuck is this you're like you're not in the right headspace right now and what made me feel guilty was the fact that I it, it felt like I betrayed the 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 trust he had in me in that interaction right because like we expect to have a level of respect and and safety even when you go even when you're going like even when you're, even when you're trying to strangle each other right and I realized that like I can't let my pain drive my behaviors and recently I've been you know like I've been hurting a little bit like the past few weeks have been rough been going through like like one sort of uh, failure after another, in, let's say, and it's been it's been weighing on me. So, but I hadn't realized how much m- my actions may have been driven by the, that pain and trying to not do that anymore, right? And I don't know if you guys, I, I'm curious to know like what it's like inside your minds because like for me, it's not one. It's very rarely I have one unified voice in my mind. I have two at least, mm. generally: mm. a critic and a and a and a proposer. There's a proposal version of me, and there's a critic version of me. And recently, all like the 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 proposals have been just driven by pain. And when you're in pain, you want to quit. That's what you want to do when you're in pain. Like my my mind is like th- like so. I do all these hard things. It's like it's like I work hard. I f- focused. I'm dedicated. I'm disciplined. Like 
the, all he says is, what the fuck is the point? If you keep fucking failing, fuck all of this. Burn this shit down. Let's fucking go. Have some fun. Right? Like, fuck everything you all do, all the shit you work for. And if you listen to that, if I listen to that voice, I'm fucked. But there was a time I didn't, wasn't able to make that distinction. Mm. Right? And I feel like this exper- experience that I had with psychedelics was enabled me to sort of realize that to so be able to like decouple my thoughts from directly influencing my action. It gave me this space where I can say, wait a minute, like I don't always have to think these things and I don't, I don't always have to let them be the drivers of my behavior. Yeah, and to be fair, even, even those two voices you sort of feel in your head, uh, you realize they're, they're there. So, so even those are not you. Exactly. You, you can exactly. choose whether to listen to them and feed them or to, to not. Like for me, it's usually just one voice in, in most moments. And I have usually moments of doubt or moments of choice where they become two. And usually I also have the split, like one is more sort of fuck you, what the fuck are you doing, more negative and very heavy critic. And the other is a more propositive one. And But often, even if the critic says, what the fuck are you doing? I, I try to do it anyway. Like sometimes you don't want to go training or, or jujitsu. You're like, why, why, why should I? Makes no sense, but still you go. And you don't have to obey those voices, maybe. That's the core message. So I've never done uh, psilocybin myself. But from starting to you know, look into this and what it's really doing to your brain and what the kind of therapeutic, therapeutic effects are, I'm convinced that one day I will try. But I think I'm going to wait until I'm 25 or older. God bless, God bless. For the simple reason that, you know, from what most people say, the brain keeps developing until you're 25. And just like you were mentioning before, this like, take a child, for example. Maybe they don't need psilocybin because they're basically on psilocybin permanently all of the time. You know, why would they have it? But here's the question I have. And I, I can't answer this myself because I don't know what it's like. Like, what's the thing about these long-term effects that you're experiencing from your uh, experience with psilocybin? So you take the drug. It might be able to show you different ways of viewing the world. It might stimulate your brain and activate patterns that weren't active before. And all of a sudden, you can see things from different perspectives. Do you think that just having that experience, just realizing that it's possible to see things from a different perspective, allows you to go back to that moment after the trip, like you were expressing now, and just sit there and be like, wait, I know that I don't have to see things for what they seem to be at first, because you know, I remember from my trip back that things are much more complex, they can mean different things. Or do you feel like there is another change that has taken place? Oh. The way I see it, <coughs> I see it as a hill, the human psyche. A hill on which there's a lot of snow. Pull the thing close to your face. Okay. There's a lot of snow on this hill. Now you have a sled. Every thought, every action, every response you have is a sled going into a direction and carving a little path on the snow. And the more sleds go in a particular direction, the deeper the carving is in the snow, and the more likely the slopes, the sleds, are to fall into that carving and to keep going into that carving. Mm. Now, if that 
if you have one major deep, deep, deep valley in your in your hill, then all then that's OCD or depression. All everything gravitates towards that direction, towards that path. Now psychedelics, from the research I saw and from what friends told me, <laughs> friends are like are just like starting to snow on your hill all over all over again and the the peaks and valleys filling it up getting filled up again and now the sleds the thoughts the behaviors the reactions are more likely to explore to go in other directions to go in directions they haven't been there before but the valleys still form after the trip because yeah. from what friends told me the trips are about what happens outside the trips. Yeah. The whole the whole journey is about your actual everyday life. The boring, the minute details, the frustrating, irrelevant, seemingly irrelevant experiences. Now, what you do right after the trip is what matters. The directions in which you, tra you choose to carve the hill, that's what matters. And the further you go, and the more you, um, the more you delay improving your life, taking action, doing what you know is right, what you have been proved and beyond any doubt that is the best guess in your situation. Choosing to not do that <clears throat> only makes it less and less likely to improve your life. So that's the way I see it. The f um, it's, it allows you to change it shows you new ways of being, but the the more you delay the positive change you know you can make, the less likely you are to make it. I think I mean, that's an analogy that's that's I've heard I've heard that I've heard that an analogy before. That's it's a good one. I don't remember the source of the cited. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a good one. Um, this, uh, like, I don't know. Fuma, you can be feeling something to say. I'm still. No worries. Uh, to be fair, uh, I don't think that only applies to drug or to psilocybin uh, specifically. Like, drugs, of course, are, are very effective at this because they have a uh, biochemical effect. But you were talking before about your experience in jujitsu and uh, how you felt like you, you betrayed that layer of trust, that layer of safety that, that underpins every martial art and that it's, it's very core. And I think this memory, if, if you really learn from it, will shape your behavior every time you're on the mat. You will go there and always try to keep your, your pain at the door, which is what you should do. And uh, uh, it, it didn't take a drug to do that. Like you had a negative experience, you saw you hurt a friend in a place where you shouldn't have. And uh, we, we, I think our brain is very good at changing its own behavior based on uh, experiences. Like just based on what we see, what we perceive, where we think we've done wrong. So it doesn't take drugs. But drugs can really facilitate it, especially in certain situations such as depression, where it's way harder to have a positive experience that can get out get us out of there I agree and I so what occurred to me so as you were speaking was that like do you think it's you you sort of need to have the groundwork 
Yeah, sure. Uh, but if they open windows, sometimes those guys come in and make it closer again. Because the AC stops working apparently, you open windows. So, up to you. Anyways, so the point is, AC. so <laughs> when, when um, your mind sort of has to be ready to accept that experience, you know, certain things like, like there's a saying, uh, um, uh, pearls before swine, mm. right? Yeah. It's like, there's no point putting like, or like you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right? Yeah, or right person at the wrong time. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I don't know to the degree, like I agree with you, but I also think that there is something to be said for making your mind pre-cooked, you know, like mm. like like prepare like marinated, marinated to to absorb the experience, you know? And uh, to be fair, that's another thing I find extremely interesting. How, how sometimes people are stuck in circles uh, without anything changing for years and then suddenly they change. Yeah. And it seems to happen all at once but then when you ask them it's as if this idea had been cooking in their brain for a very long time and uh, but but still it happens all at once with with no particular transformative experience so in this case there is no sort of uh, uh, eureka moment that changes their life and still sometimes people are able to get out of a rut slowly but steadily and uh, and uh, that's something that really I have no answer to. Like I don't really know what what's going on behind the scenes, but uh, it could also be that we can I don't know. Sometimes despite running in circles, we're our brain is trying to form new connections and actually forging new paths despite not changing anything yet. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. So like I regularly use psilocybin now, but not. Like I uh, probably once every three to three four months, or maybe once maybe at most at most frequent once every three months, but at regularly like once every six months usually. And I think of it as a a like a like a like a random restart, like a like a dropout regularization, right? So it's like a test for me for myself because there are certain habits that I took a long time to build. Took took a long time to instill it myself. Took took a long time to really work into my psyche, which I really like, which I really enjoy, and has got me great results and productivity in all kinds of domains. Um, and sometimes I think of it as okay, let's see if I can like 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 sort of retrain them a little bit, you know, but with a little bit more context. So let's say you build a habit a year ago, different place, different context, different people, right? Okay, can you rebuild it now in a different in, in some other context? So can you incorporate some a little bit more information from the environment? So for me, I'm always thinking about how much should I? So I think of myself as someone who is controlling the weights of a neural network, right? Which I am really actually think about it, and I'm thinking like, okay, how much weight should I give to this outside experience that I'm experiencing, and let it change the, change the the weights of of, of my matrix, right? How, how how what is the learning rate? Or like, should I learn at all? Like, is there, should should there be a weight decay? Should I be like what, what what should I do? Um. So. In that sense, I. I think I think I think that's the most useful way for me to use psychedelics now, because I rarely have like ego dissolution like experiences, 
you know it's more like i i connect things that i didn't previously connect and i like to have those feelings that uh, and then the weeks afterwards i'm definitely more open and i'm definitely more like and i'm more willing one thing i one thing about me is like i'm very judgmental and i don't and i don't want to be that way anymore like i like why can't i just like observe someone and just just observe them for the person they are just a person that exists why do i have to bring a bunch of other bullshit around it right <laughs> it's like that person exists but i can't do that my mind's like oh he's probably a vegan like what i'm like <laughs> why 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 does it matter right like why do i have to judge people based on like like i i'm super judgmental and i don't want to be that way like and i'm and, and i'm trying very hard to not be that way and it's it's difficult for me right that's something i struggle with and i think this helps me a lot cuz like i'm able to sort of sit back and be just appreciate that there are other states of existing that don't necessarily have to be my state of my way of existing and you can actually get to the same place in multiple different paths the judgment comes in the fact that it's a f- it's from fear it's a it's a fear that what i'm doing is wrong if someone else can get somewhere that i want to get in some other way then what the fuck do they say by the way i'm doing it is it bad is it good like is it am i am i fucking up like am i going to get there maybe maybe that's the way to get there maybe i should change all my everything i do completely and do the what that person's doing right i mean i i think it can be from fear and that's a a, a bad thing but it could also be that you have different values and according to your hierarchy of values that person is not going in the right direction like according to your values it doesn't mean they're not living life right you know but if i say um f- to me uh, exercising is super important and i see someone who's never even set foot outside of their bedroom I- in their life they're they're super skinny they 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 don't even care maybe they're living their best life because they're interestizing uh pure scientific research and they're they're the new einstein or whatever but according to my hierarchy of values uh they're missing out at least on something that i value so i can see judging someone else uh even when they're lacking in in some aspect where i'm i'm doing go right or, or when i see someone who's doing better than me in those aspects like it can give me a sense of how i'm doing compared to others i find it quite quite natural it doesn't have to be negative that's how do you guys handle rejection <laughs> material. Uh, just like in any sort of no not not, not just rejection mm. sort of like so I applied to a bunch of stuff, right? And when I applied uh, I sort of put my heart and heart and soul into the application like it's you were honest, you said what you really feel. Yeah, 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 it's it's you super didn't, uh, it's very val- tailored it for the application. I realized like it's a very vu- it's a very vulnerable state to yeah. be in, right? It's like you're opening yourself up to like here's all, everything that I am. What do you think? And then, <laughs> and then some random, dude, dude, and then some dude. random fuck, <laughs> you know, sleepy, sleepy motherfucker didn't go to the gym. Like, <laughs> skinny neck, skinny neck. Never left his dorm room. Stayed up all night, fucking solving equations. Fucking stayed up all night. Didn't even do anything useful. Studied some fucking HR degree bullshit. Read my resume once and said, "Nah, fuck you, bro. Fuck you and everything you stand for." Right? <laughs> That's what I'm hearing, right? But the thing is. <laughs> You have no idea what's uh, what in that signal. Mm. So I'm curious. Man. Okay. Cuz you I'm, I'm assuming I'm, I've, uh, you're closer to my age than these guys are. So you guys haven't experienced as much fucking the rejection as as the probably the two of us have. Yeah, and you haven't 
you have yet to enter the, the workforce and that's yeah. like if you've ever tried sending 50 cvs and getting three calls back and having five interviews and, and only two of those go to the second round of interviews and then they tell you no it's it, i think it's a great learning experience if nothing else but you'll get there one day well, something something new happened to me with the rejections lately a few days ago, I've been rejected for the Eastern European Machine Learning Summer School. And I thought that summer school was tailored for me. I thought that's a place for me. I, uh, the project I applied with um, has been um, expanding the work of the organizers of the summer school. So I took what they did and I tried to make it better and newer and uh, noveler ways. The whole, the whole work in my profile was exactly tailored, like the, the DeepMind profile, solving intelligence, then solving everything else. My whole thing, my whole project, my whole application, the whole shebang. I had Giacomo Spiegler as my supervisor. That fucker has been, he's not a fucker, sorry, Giacomo. <laughs> Best this is supervisor there is. That guy has been to their summer school four times already. I had the new AirLab as my affiliation on my application. I had the, the whole shebang. I thought it's a short, a, a short thing. The organizers are Romanians. I thought the Romanian mafia will help me out. Good God. Then the email. I'm we received your dot, 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 dot. Unfortunately, dot, 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 dot. I said every swear word I know in Romanian in the Tilburg cafeteria while looking at the ceiling. And then I realized that I have only love for them. And I have no hate. First, thing in, first time in my life when I get rejected and I have no bitterness for the ones who reject me. I have only sadness because I'm not there yet. And I actually wrote them back and, okay, tell me when am I going to be ready to go to your summer school because I really want to go there. I want to be prepared. Tell me. And I took it as a, not as a fuck you, but I took it as a, you have more to learn, little Padawan. Damn. And that was a transform, that was a new thing. I still want that. I still respect the fuckers that organized it. I, I cannot swear them. I cannot wish them unwell. Because I respect them and really like the work. And they're also Romanians. We have the same genes. I still like those fuckers. And they reject me. But it's okay. That was the feeling. I hope it's staying like that for the future rejections I'm going to encounter. That's an amazing story, Andre. And I think that leads on to very nicely what I wanted to say about rejection. So... I've had uh, some pleasure of uh, being able to uh, appreciate some rejection, not only from girls, but uh, I was uh, stuck in Sweden for uh, one year after my uh, high school studies because I wanted to uh, go to Canada to study, but it was canceled due to COVID. And when I got the rejection, it was uh, too late to apply to a new university. So I was kind of like, forced to stay in Sweden to work for a year. And it was during the pandemic. So the labor market was shit, as we all know. Uh, this was 2021. So I got a lot of rejections um, from different jobs and different employers. I tried working as a salesman, uh, knocking on doors, business to business. It sucked. You know, I think I worked as a salesperson for three months. I never sold a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> a Travel single thing. Traveling it, salesperson. Yeah, you know, you start questioning yourself. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and also each, each failed sale is a rejection. Yeah, like. it feels like a rejection, exactly. But I think that it taught me something about rejection, which Andre just mentioned, which is that it shows you what is really important. When you go after something and you get rejected and it sucks, it hurts, but you still say, hey, fuck it, I'm gonna keep working for this. 
that's how you know that something is truly important for you. Because it can be hard at times to understand what's important. At least I experienced this. That, you know, I'm only 22, and at times I just don't know what's important for me. But when I go for something, and I fail, and I don't feel this anger or hatred towards them, but I feel this sadness, right? This disappointment, this, hey, I still want this, and I still got to work for this. That's how I know that it's really important. You learned that this summer school is really important for you, and now you can work towards that. That's valuable. Bigger men than I, like... For me, the, the issue was getting to that point. I had to look past the pain first because it hurts too much for some reason. I don't know. Like for me, these kind of things hurt a lot. Like um, it makes me wonder like why the fuck am I here? Like what am I doing with my life? Like I should just fucking off myself, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's the, that's the problem. That's the problem. Like that, that 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 valley is super deep, right? And that's basically that's a symptom of depression, right? It's like because the, the 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 valleys don't end where they should end, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? The valley should have ended like, oh man, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this valley is like, oh man, that sucks. Oh, you hate me. Everyone hates me. No one likes me. I suck. Everything I do sucks. All my work sucks. Everything I ever wanted to do is a failure. Why am I alive? I should kill myself. That's the trajectory, right? But it's getting better. Like it's not. It, it, it's been a long time since since, since like um, it'll, it'll it'll get there. It'll I think it'll happen every once in a while. But like it's never been like you know there was a time where like it's improved. Like eighty percent of the like like eighty percent of the time, eighty percent of the time I'm nowhere near that that depth. But yeah. it used to be the other way around. It used to be twenty percent of the time I was nowhere near that depth. Eighty percent of the time I was always there. You know, so that's way better. That's already a much, much better improvement. Yeah, I think what you said is very important. It's not never getting there. Like sometimes you have tough rejections, and you have that half an hour, that hour where you really question everything. And but again, it's an hour. Then you, you get out of it, and that's that's how you know it's not not depression anymore. It's just so you had a tough. Exactly, exactly. So, so now I can tell, like, oh, okay, okay. Like, it's just, yo, like, what? So, you know, um, like, when I, when I got, there's one particular thing that bothers me a lot, right? This is one particular rejection that really, really got to me, because, like, I, um, I thought, like, I kind of thought, I was like, yo, what? I was like. Okay, and it it got to me because I like I poured myself into that application. Like, and, and when I wrote that essay, I left a part of my heart in that in that. In What's that, the position? Right? We'll spam the fuckers. We'll send the the mafia, the Romanian mafia. It was a application to Cambridge, right? And. It sucks. Like, <laughs> it sucks for a very particular reason that we'll talk about later. But like, uh, you know, it was like, oh man, you know, like, what the fuck, dude? But then, like, you're right. It's like, how bad do you want it, right? How bad do I want? How bad do I want to go to Cambridge? And I'm like, turns out not that bad, 
<laughs> right? So I was like, wasn't that important? And I'm like, why the fuck am I so? B- why the fuck do I care about this? I'm gonna go to the gym. Fuck this, <laughs> right? So, but like, it still hurt. <laughs> and then I realized, and then like you just said, made me think about it because you told me about it. You told me this over the weekend as well, Dennis. You were like, it shows you how important something is. And I was like, am I gonna quit? Do I, like what do I? Do, am I going to try to get it going to Cambridge? And I was like, no, I don't fucking like. Doesn't matter. Like I don't I, like. I should focus on doing the masters now, publishing some shit, and like going to a PhD program that I actually fucking give a shit about. And I was like, yeah, that makes more sense. But at the at the time, I was hurt and I was in pain and I wanted and that pain was driving my actions, mm. right? And it just took over. It like it just like it took over. Like all of my decisions, all of my actions were filtered through that pain, mm. right? And and uh, it's sort of like the what saved me. What saved me were my habits, because I have such strong habits of doing certain things at certain times of the day. Even through the pain, I was able to just automate a lot of things. Just happened, right? And I was ha- and, I, and because of that, I was able to find moments of peace, of not being in pain anymore. I spent the last three days trying to build the transformer from scratch. Right. Thanks, with the help of Andre Karpati. Mm. Uh, let's uh, say a prayer for the Saint Saint Karpati. The Jyoti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, and I realized, and, and the moment occurred to me when I was like just just staring at this matrix, right, trying to trying to get it to reveal its secrets to me. Like, yo, just tell me what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? And then I mo- and in the moment I noticed, like, yo, you're not in pain anymore. Right, like, notice this moment. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. You're not it, existing is not painful in this moment. And I was like, do more of this. And I was like, yeah, gonna keep doing more of that. Right. So mm. recognizing when that pain disappears wasn't even an option before. It was like, just all the time, constant pain, all the time. No, no matter what I looked, everything sucked. Everything was terrible, and no, there's no foreseeable future. Situation where anything would get better. That is how I thought. So I drank a lot. Almost killed myself twice. Well, not, not uh, I didn't. I, I didn't almost kill myself. I set the situations up so that I would have a high probability of dying. Like getting blackout drunk, getting behind the in the car, running into a wall, driving into a wall. Just shit situations. Trying to self-destruct because I didn't have the balls to do it myself, like willingly, right? I should put a fucking trigger warning at this at the beginning of this podcast because some people are going to just be like, holy shit. If you're against giving psychedelics to children, if you're against suicidal thoughts, if you're against, what else do you yeah, We, we did everything. We did everything. But anyway, so the pain is the, the thing. And I was like, I was, I, I, I just the past two days, I'm, it's like, it's like a, a fucking revelation. Like, yo, you cannot let the your actions be filtered through the through this pain because that's gonna lead to things you do that, that causes you more pain. Like what you did to Andre. That just that just led to more pain. It didn't it didn't alleviate the pain you were in. It just made more pain. Where there was no pain to begin with. So fucking gotta be very aware of that. Are you acting through your pain or are you acting counter to that pain? And you t- I also think you should be careful by because like working hard on something can also be a way to 
distract yourself from yes, the pain. For sure, so yeah. you're not in pain at the moment, but it's just another placebo, you know, like another distraction. And that's how people become workaholics, just because oh, then you yeah, need true, the work to, to not think about the pain. Like the, your normal state should not be in pain uh, if you're doing something most of the time. Uh, but you can work on it. Like it's, like it's not easy. Like when I'm, uh, it's weird because um, a lot of things that in pain, for example, like um, rumination and uh, uh, the very like ego focused thinking about this part in the this part in the paper where it's like called. Um, what the where the fuck was this? It was like. Thus, if the DMN is hyperactive and connected in depression, does this imply that mild depression is an evolutionary advanced state? The, the phenomenon of depressive realism has been recognized for several decades and sits comfortably with the idea that the primary function of DMN is to support metacognition. Anyway, so there's a point, there's, there's a point about like this state where... You know, so what gives meaning, right? What what makes you what makes you want to get up in the morning and do do the things you do and go out and be and you know do stuff? What for me, my, my experience is that like there's a really high inertia for me to go out and do these things. And once I was able to develop the routine and take the choices out of the equation like get up in the morning you meditate you go to the gym that's not a and then and then i was like and then i and then i generalized the idea of a gym to doing something physical that makes you sweat because if i said gym it narrowed my space so that i had an excuse to not go to the gym something happens right oh it's snowing it's fucking raining it's like uh, something physical for 20 minutes in the morning you gotta do it and like okay and that's sort of like the more my, my morning is basically built to build up some momentum for the rest of the day because otherwise i like for me it's like if i i'm like a fucking shark if i don't if i if i stop moving i'll drown like uh and i don't know how to explain that it's it's, it's, it's really weird maybe it's just a, it's a case of what i'm experiencing but like i don't know i completely get like i'm so afraid to miss like a gym session yeah. when i've booked it yeah. because yeah. i'm afraid if i don't go this time maybe i won't go next time too and the one after and it, I will just stop my good habits and I'll be completely out of it and I'll get back to staying all this on the sofa all day. Yeah. Like it makes sense to, to keep up. Like it's a good basin and you want to keep it up. It's yeah. it's a good habit. But your point it's about becoming a workaholic is is, is well taken. Like because uh, no one would argue, no one would uh, no one would uh, suggest that I'm a very fun person right now. Because like well I don't know like I the thing is like uh, no I have shit to do man like and and the, and there are things that I want to get done and people are like yo let's fucking go do this and I'm like no I, I can't it's but like here I think we go back to the w what matters to me what, what Dennis proposed before you know I don't think everyone should be fun all the time to be around like I, I'd much rather work on my shit 80% of the time and then yeah once a week I go out with friends and I hope they have a pleasant time with me as I really do with you, like you're a pleasant person to be around. Thanks, man. Yeah, maybe you're <laughs> not you're not Joe Rogan level of comedy, not yet, but but not everyone has to be, you know. Motherfucker, like, <laughs> <laughs> working on it. Got a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but it's again, if that 
for some people that's really important they have to be the, the uh, most fun person to be around uh, to me personally it isn't and I wouldn't want to invest more energy than I do in, in being the, the most fun to be around I'm also not great at it naturally I think you should also try to follow your attitudes and and to so you can find your niche where you're really good at something and you work on s your strong points and you really become build something that's useful for everyone useful for everyone that's that's what I'm striving. Not you, not everyone. Useful for somebody, like yeah, anybody. At least, you know, yeah. like <laughs> like Start like small. like uh, you know, just like instead of just be, be being useful to myself, like just like trying to trying to fucking do something that, like, I want to do something that. Look, here's the thing. I love humanity. I love human beings. I think human beings are awesome. I think we are special. I think. We have a responsibility as agents endowed with this weird consciousness to do awesome shit, right? And I am also aware that I, I may have limitations, right? I can't do everything, okay? And I, if at, if, if at all possible, if I can able, if, if I can just like do something that pushes the hum humanity to, to be a bit more awesome, then that's I'm good. I, I, I'm happy with that, right? And I'm trying to build the knowledge and tools to help me do that. And with the intersection with things that drive, pull my curiosity, in, right? Like for example, like I don't understand. Like this morning, like uh, uh, the, uh, the most relaxed I've I've spent in the past few days is like just multiplying matrices together. It's like mm, that's weird. And then like he drawing and, and then I drawing heat maps of like what the whatever values inside. And then like. And then, okay, well, what if I take this matrix and just make it two vectors? Like, and then I was like, okay, wait, do matrices like are there things that are true about true about vectors that are not that are not true about matrices? And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, there is, because my intuition was like, oh, if you can apply it to vectors, maybe all of us win. But there are things that don't just naturally translate. Like, for example, you can calculate the similarity between two vectors, causal similarity, but there isn't a direct analog for the similarity between two matrices. Right, you can flatten the matrices out into the vectors and see pairwise uh, vector similarities. And there's all kind. Of, I was like, this is the kind of things that I like doing. I'm like, oh, I, I, I learned that this morning. I was like, oh, that's fucking cool, right? And when I'm doing stuff like that, I'm um, like, the, the I'm not in my, oh, I guess in a weird way, what that what that does is that it op it opens the uh, space of possible states, right? It's like, it's an increase in entropy in a weird way. Because when you're discovering something new, you're sort of adding to the possible state of state of things your mind can have be in, right? So like a, like a very lonely and miserable state for me is like inward focused thinking about myself and about the things that I'm experiencing. A less miserable state is outward focused trying to see between the, le the 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 lines of the reality that surrounds us and the things that we use every day right so when i see something when i look at something i'm like oh man that's so that I, I didn't know how that worked before and now i'm like that's cool and in the process of getting there there's a relief there's a like an analgesic sort of pain relieving effect for me that's how i experience like learning about things then it's just so we don't forget you took a bunch of notes. I'm really curious. 
What's your notes, sir? I have a few good notes, but I would like actually, so I just thought about something, which is that I think that in a sense, when you sit down to do this work, that does exactly what psilocybin does for you. So you said it increases your entropy, and I was like, wait, no, 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 it decreases your entropy. But then I was like, no, yeah, he's right. It increases your entropy, but hear me out. So why do you find it so enjoyable to sit down and just focus on a problem, multiply, multiply matrices? Well, I think that's because that really reduces the possible actions and perceptions that you can have at that point. You kind of sit down, you know, life is kind of away from you doing something else. You don't care about, you know, Cambridge. You don't care about your past. You don't care about anything else. You're just sitting there, multiplying matrices, trying to understand what the fuck is going on. But in a weird way, that reduction of entropy, in a sense, there's also an increase here, which you described is all of the possible things that you can learn about this, right? But what we've also learned is that an increase in entropy is not necessarily bad. Like taking psilocybin, for example. It makes you see things from new ways, in new patterns. That's an increase in entropy. But that can be really nice because that can allow you to find a future state of lower entropy. It can help you escape the basins, the deep slopes that Andre described before, that you're stuck in, and maybe discover some better ones ones that reduce your entropy more. So you're taking on this kind of short-term entropy by sitting down to work to find lower entropy states in the future. And isn't that kind of what psilocybin does? I think, I think you really bridged something between this paper and the entropy, psychological entropy paper we, we, we read last time. Because in the paper, they specifically say like there are certain states of behavior that increase entropy in the short term, but decrease it in the long run. And one thing I love, one thing I love more than anything else is having an intuition about something and then looking into it and having it confirmed. It's like, oh, that feels good, right? And like, so that's, that's, that's juicy, that's gold. But what happens when you have an intuition and the only way you can confirm it, well, right now I'm, I'm fortunate because even though I have these intuitions, I have these ideas that I want to see, I'm fortunate that people who are smarter than I am, who have also had the same intuitions, have worked these things out and the proofs exist on the internet, right? They're gonna, they're, so when you're doing a PhD essentially, it's like a PhD is you having intuition and no one else has, has given you the evidence. So you have to compare the evidence yourself and then show yourself this is what I'm, uh, this is what it's about. And that's a, like uh, this uh, this idea of reducing the short, increasing the short term entropy, and then for the in the service of reducing it overall in the future. That's that's that, that's gold, I think. Yeah. And for me, I'm curious as to why there's this really pa pain and anxiety just vanishes when I get sucked into a problem. I think I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a coping mechanism or if it's just like a fucking something I come up with, but it's just like you know it. It really calms me down. It really makes me feel like, yeah, you know what, dude, it's okay. You're gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be fine. Like you can, it's gonna be cool. Um, no, it's strange, man. I don't know. Dennis, please tell us your notes. You took a bunch of notes. Yeah, I will. I'll tell you my notes just after confirming what Udi said. Like, there is some, like, it tingles a certain spot to wake up on a Sunday morning, pull up to the library, sit down, read a hard ass paper, and then six hours later understand something 
that you just did not understand six hours ago. Like that's something I've discovered coming here and studying for two years now. I I'd never felt that before, but then I came here and I started learning about you know cognitive science and the human mind and AI, and holy shit, it just it touches. It's been like a dark hole in me that has not been tingled, and it just it feels so good when you sit down, and you get a new perspective on the world. But okay, so besides that, to my notes. So it's it's kind of similar as to what we were just talking about, um, but. You know, you're gonna have to help me out now because now we're gonna get into some of the technical stuff that the paper mentioned, which is what psilocybin really does to your brain. And you know, working from the basics, uh, it seems to sensitize certain receptors called serotonin 2A receptors. These are receptors that are found throughout the entire brain. Sorry, I don't think sensitize is the right word. I think because they're, they're the psilocybin binds to those receptors, yeah. they don't necessarily make them more sensitive. I think that I think that's a that, that's a dis distinction that needs to be no, made. The neurons become more sensitive because Do the they? psilocybin binds to the receptors. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, but the receptors don't become more sensitive. The, recept the, re the receptors are there as they are. Mm. The psilocybin binds to those receptors. It's not like they make. It's not like the. It's not like the receptors are more receptive. They're receptors. They exist. They are receptors are simply like locks and keys, mm. right? When you when neurotransmitters come to their surface, they bind. If they match, they bind and they activate the 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 ion channel, the uh, the action potential sequence. I don't know if it, it makes happens. sense to say that it becomes. Th this is I'm just nit. This is nitpicking shit. But like, I feel like this is something Moran would be like. Ah, hey. <laughs> no, okay, no, no. Okay. So one level of of abstraction higher. Is it correct to say that psilocybin? increases the firing rate of serotonergic neurons. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's keep it at that, right? That taking psilocybin um, makes your serotonic serotonergic neurons fire more. Great. Uh, not all of them. <laughs> not all of them, yeah. The, the, the one mentioned there. Yeah, the pyramidal neurons. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So these are neurons that are found in the... I think they're mostly uh, found in the uh, higher associative areas, yes. um, which includes the cerebral or neocortex, especially I think in layer five they mentioned it. Uh, but we don't have to get too much into the neurobiology. It's definitely not important for, uh, for, my, for my question here. So getting back to that point, what psilocybin seems to do in your brain is that it seems to decouple certain regions and certain networks. They especially talk about the, uh, the DMN, the default mode network, which is the uh, set of brain regions and areas that are active when we're basically not doing anything. So the idea of the default mode network is that this is what's active when we're not completing a task. The opposite, for example, would be the task positive network, which engages when we're actually performing specific tasks. Then there is the medial temporal lobes. And I'm not exactly sure what the function of these are in the context of the paper. I know they're really important for memory, okay? especially explicit memories. So we have this like patient HM, for example, is the famous uh, example. He had lesions to his medial temporal lobes and he had severe anterior grade amnesia. He could not form new memories. He had some access to his old memories, 
but he could not form new memories. So, a big part of what psilocybin seems to do is the decoupling of the medial temporal lobes and the default mode network. But it's not permanent. It seems to be that you take psilocybin, the decoupling happens, and it's it remains for a while after the trip. But just like you two alluded to, eventually you kind of get back to that same state. You get back to the deep basins. You get back to those deep slopes in the mountain. You get back to your attractors. They might be different, but somehow the network gets back into the previous state. It gets back to this uh, subcriticality, as they call it, which is a state of lower entropy than might be completely optimal for information uh, transmission. And what I'm thinking is that psilocybin seems to serve as a really good tool to increase your short-term entropy, but also somewhat guaranteeing that you get back to that low entropy state in the future. I think this is why the benefit of psilocybin is mostly seen when it's also coupled with, with cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah. right? So you, get a, you, 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 you increase the level of the entropy, and you all sort of all of a sudden you're aware of these other states that you can achieve. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, I don't have to keep going and go keep go keep going down these these fucking paths. Then you add that with uh, with uh, psychotherapy and uh, with and CBT, let's say. Then you build the new tracks. You build the you build the you you build the new habits and new behaviors that help you stop going down those same low slopes anymore. Because like just increasing the entropy is not enough. The post Psilocybin session assisted therapy, I, I, I think, is Im important because it helps you rebuild new paths of behavior, right? That you can now slope, you can now slide down, down through instead of the same old shit that you've been going on all the time. But the psilocybin sort of, like I said, pre cooks or like marinates the brain, like gives you the states that you need to be like, oh, okay, here's some, here's some, here's some other ways I can. I can be and exist. And sorry, last point. The fact that the default mode network is most active when you're not when you're when you're not doing something task oriented, right? And I feel completely brain free when I'm focused on doing something. It makes fuck. So you're right. I'm basically tripping while I'm focused on something, right? It's like. <laughs> Like so, so when it, when, you, when I'm on a task-focused thing, doing one thing, moving towards one thing, my default mode, net mode network is quietened. Everything else is focused on getting this thing done, and because it's quietened, it can't take me down those stupid fucking tracks. It keeps taking me down, on. and I'm and I'm relieved by this pain. When you're in the gym, when you're between between reps of a set, right? You're task-focused. You're like getting the next thing, getting the next thing, getting the next thing. Your default mode network is like. It's it's quietened down. That's a that makes fucking perfect sense to me. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Oh, no, no, no. I uh, just wanted to confirm that that's also the for the uh, idea I got from the paper that it, it makes your brain sort of more malleable. But of course, it's invaluable to have a guide to uh, direct it towards the right track once it's not in this. Uh, once it's again more malleable. But but uh, what I also found really interesting is this notion of suboptimality that we've sort of reached a compromise and uh, but we get stuck a bit too much, a bit more than what would be would be great for us. And psilocybin can help us 
uh, go back to that to the previous state. And they also mentioned that uh, entropy suppressing function of the brain serves to promote uh, realism, foresight, careful reflection, and our ability to recognize and overcome wishful and paranoid fantasies. And this seems like the, the exact opposite of, of depression. Like, uh, you, you're too grounded in reality. You have too dark thoughts. You don't have basically fantasies when you're depressed. And that also goes in the... It, it may be um, related to the fact that well, nowadays there's a huge rise in depression. We are sort of striving too far away for, for I don't know exactly for, for what reasons, but from this optimal state of more entropy, of more um, of optimal in information uh, sharing. That's what would it, so basically what you're suggesting is that it's almost like our brains are over-optimizing in reducing entropy. Like we're becoming too good at it. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we need that because to be grounded in reality and to think about the future and to think realistically, but when it becomes too much, uh, it just completely knocks us down because then it, it's just, it's pointless, especially nowadays when you don't have to go out and hunt for food and spend your whole day uh, basically trying to survive. So those mechanisms that evolved to be useful and then became suboptimal, probably found a sort of a local minima that is not at the actual uh, minimum. Uh, it, paradoxically, it may be that the, the state we tend to is more stable, so that is why our brain goes there, but it's not optimal, so that the actual optimal is less stable, which is also why psilocybin has a, an effect that vanishes with time, why we cannot stay in that state forever. It's, it fluctuates back to the original, um, or at least to another stable state after a few hours or weeks or, or whatever. Maybe there's an interesting analogy to be made to something that we've all, I think, experienced in our everyday lives, which is that sometimes we overcorrect for our, uh, for our uh, lack of skills, for example. Sure, yeah. uh, I think me and Udish talked about this uh, in the weekend that, you know, when I came here, I had certain goals in mind. Um, and I think that a mistake that I did and I, you know, I think I'm going to keep committing these mistakes is that I overcorrect sometimes. I say, hey, I don't like this about myself, so I'm going to do the exact opposite. And that's good because we need to work on our weaknesses, but it's easy to go above and beyond and do too much. And I feel like that's kind of what we're seeing now in the context of our brain, which is that somewhere along the line, there was an evolutionary advantage to have more of these metacognitive functions, uh, which is basically our ability to be aware and cognitive about our own thoughts and behaviors, right? We have self-reflection, uh, self for example. So we evolved those, and they were better than not having it. There was some evolutionary advantage to that. But it's almost like we've overcorrected now, and maybe we need to start tampering off on that and, like Fuma said, increase our entropy instead of decreasing it because we've kind of sailed past the optimal point of it and now we're overcorrecting and we're trying to pull it back. This ties in with a note I made. So this ego, this hyper-gonflated ego, super-saturated ego we developed to make sense of hyper-complex social interaction of negotiating with your future self, of taking into account infinite combinations of variables, of human variables 
in your life when making a decision. This sense of ego. Now, we established that the thoughts, the internal monologue, is not you, is not who you are. Now, my question to all of you is, what are you? I have an e- easy answer to that question. I think uh, I think we can I think for me at least it's who I am is what I do in a sense because if I, if who I am is other th- thoughts in my head there are too many peop- people in that <laughs> there are too many people in that right like um, I remember one time I described to my therapist like um I described to him what it's like sometimes for me to for me to wake up in the morning. It's like um I said waking up in the morning feels like this. It's like I said it I start out in this hallway which is very quiet, right? This quiet hallway and there's a door at the end of the hallway and I can and it's it's quiet in here. It's basically it's not, I don't hear anything. It's really quiet. And waking up feels like walking in from this soundproof hallway into a f- party in full swing. Like there's, it's just like walking in from complete silence and calm into just just fucking noise, just noise. That's how. That's what my head was like. There's just a bunch of noise. I couldn't, and I couldn't, and I, I couldn't hear myself think because I couldn't hear myself. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know. I didn't know where I was in there, right? It was just so noisy, and uh, it's much better now. Like uh, it's damped down this the, the the static. It was like static in my head, and now it's just like now I can now it's much clearer. Like I can and I can sit and I can chew on a problem for 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 hours. Like. Hmm, you know, like I can really. It's still hard sometimes because, like, you know, I get, I get distracted. But like, I, uh, that's how I felt in the, uh, when I wake up in the morning usually. And I don't know why. But and what, <laughs> what would you say was the biggest factor in changing? Like you've mentioned medication. You've mentioned changes. So in a lot of things, yeah. In habitudes, in uh, is that a word? Habit habits habits. <laughs> I, I think it was habits and attitudes. Uh, <laughs> was it a change in like the, the environment? Uh, that, of course, like they all contributed, even even changes in thoughts. But uh, if if someone was stuck in that in that sort of previous phase, what would you recommend them to? Talk to somebody. Go and see a go and see a therapist. Uh, I tried everything before I went and talked to a psychiatrist. I tried. I went to a psychologist first, tried everything, and then once my sleep just stopped happening, I just couldn't fall asleep anymore. I was like, okay, I need some, I need some, I need some medication. Because like I tried everything. I tried controlling my light. I tried controlling my exercise, my diet. I tried different diets. I, tried, I cut, cut out carbs. I did everything. Like I added carbs. I removed meat. I <laughs> did everything. I worked out every day. I like, I nothing worked. And I would wake up in the morning, like I, so I'd fall, asleep, I'd go to sleep, and I would. It, at first, it was like I'd go to sleep, I'd fall asleep, I'd wake up like two hours later, completely wired, like just fully awake, and I would just start. I would just fucking start working, like fuck it, it's two in, it's two in the morning. What the fuck am I gonna do? I do my shit, then I go to the gym, 
and then by six o'clock i st- i've been up since two in the morning i'm still like completely awake like can't sleep go to sleep you'd think after six hours being away for so long you'd lay down and you'd fucking pass out right no and then um so i went to the therapist and like, he gave me this he gave me a medication and then the first time i do is it's not only uh, the first time i do the medication i thought he gave me weight i thought he over prescribed me i was terrified because i was like i took it when i got home and like an hour later dude i could an hour later i couldn't even keep my head up right and i've never felt that exhausted in my life and i was like and i was like there's no way this is comes wrong and then he was like dude you've been sleep deprived probably most of your life so now like at least for the last two weeks you've been running on two hours sleeps every three days right you're exhausted it's going to feel like this and then i was like okay but then our weeks passed and then it it, it, it got away then i was like dude you know like I did, I, 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 I did the medication and like by eight o'clock I'm like I feel exhausted again like you know like you know I'm you I'm like falling asleep on my on the couch like I'm tired like I, I can't get my eyes open he's like yeah that's what normal people feel like after a whole day of working <laughs> I'm like I was like oh he's like I was like I was like oh shit okay because it turned out all I've been doing until then was like going to bed laying down and then waiting to wake up not really sleeping it's just like just laying there waiting to go to sleep and then and then thinking i'm sleeping and then came back up again and i was like okay well this is a new experience and uh, yeah so uh, feeling tired was uh, was something interesting but uh, what helped me a lot i would say it's weird i think the fact that it helped that i didn't want to let my parents down hmm. um because i remember i remembered and i saw everything that they did for me there was a time that I, that i thought that the only reason i was alive is because my parents were alive like if they were dead i'd have killed myself like because i had no one else because like i felt like if i did that uh, it, i felt like once they were gone i could end my life without without conceivably hurting anybody else right and that's not that, I, i don't feel that way as much anymore like i mean you have way more people that you yeah. would hurt a yeah. lot so. yeah exactly. <laughs> and don't you dare you fucker yeah yeah i know so like uh so that is it's improved a lot so like you know uh i would say definitely have people having people in your life that you don't want to let down sounds terrible reason to but actually could help a lot i think it i think it's very it matters human. right I mean, we are like, social creatures yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was like i was like i was like i can't do this to those two people you know like i couldn't bear the like what more i couldn't bear the thought of i, I just couldn't bear the thought of doing doing that to them i just that was like the line i was like i'm like i just couldn't bear the thought of doing that to my parents i just couldn't and uh, that was like a great stop that was a great barrier like if i had you know if i didn't have that you wouldn't be having this conversation right now and still you tried but but via sort of indirect methods yeah so w- so i had that first i had that and then i was like and then i um a lot of things so lot of, it's hard to say what really was helpful but a lot of things that converged at at the right time in a weird ways right um 
I think one I I meditate. I've been meditating a lot. I've been meditating for years. That's been incredibly helpful for me. Mm. I I can I notice a qualitative difference in the way I behave when I don't do it in the morning and when I do it when I do it in the morning. Um and another thing that helped I think honestly having at least one thing that makes you want to get out of bed at least it doesn't matter what it is you have to have at least one thing for me it was the gym for like honestly for a long time it was just like and i think it's and i think it's like we talk about it was this one task directed thing that i was doing for a while that like basically didn't i didn't feel the pain anymore you know obviously that's the inf- endorphins of being in the gym actually but um the focus and the drive and the direction to do something that in that gym and powerlifting was like great for me and then i was like and then i realized i just need i just needed like some other direction in my life some 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 reasonable goals to do so i wrote like a i did the self authoring program and like came with a came with idea for myself and one thing i realized was like i what was holding back was like was the fear of failure was that i was afraid to define anything and want anything because i was just expecting to fail and i was just going to fail what's the point Right? Yeah, and if you define it, then you know you're failing. Exactly, you have a measure to to go up against. And to be fair, I've had a similar experience with starting from one thing back in the days when I, for me, it was taekwondo. So similar, still a physical activity, and yeah, you had that one thing that you wake up in the morning for, and whatever else you do that day, you can waste the whole day, but you will do that one thing, and that's that's reason enough. You you've done good enough, and then you slowly build up on it. And going back to one of the points you previously mentioned about sleep, I, I kind of wonder. I don't think this paper mentions sleep specifically, but how sleep sort of fits in this uh, uh, this image of the brain as a as a complex system. How like what role does sleep play in also this neuroplasticity? I think dreams is the question you should be asking, not sleep necessarily. What role does do dreams play in this uh, in this? whole thing because we don't we still don't have no we still have no good answers for this because mm. we know we know a lot of things that the brain does while it's asleep we know a lot of the learning happens when you're asleep a lot of especially motor learning happens when you're asleep um uh, a lot of knowledge cons- consolidation body rec- a lot of physiological changes in terms of recovering your body but we don't really know what the fuck happens when you when why do we dream right because first of all it's way too uh metabolically expensive to be just some random fucking artifact like nature would have been like yo no this is way too like what the fuck you know dreams you die you yeah need yeah like twice as much food it's can't be spending c- can't be spending all this juice on this like it makes no sense but it exists right it's not just us that dream other animals dream also yeah right so something there's something there so your question i think it better asked in that sense well an answer to this would be the overfitted brain yeah. hypothesis yeah your brain your system the human con- the human spirit gets through a certain kind of training samples is exposed to a certain distribution of environments of experiences of feelings of emotions now what happens when you encounter an out of distribution problem well that's why you have dreams 
Because that's what dreams train you for. They slap you in the face with only out-of-distribution situations that help in not getting your brain overfitted. And this, the reason for this, the argument for this is that this works with machine learning and with neural networks. If you expose them to out-of-distribution training examples while in training, even though you don't test them on the out-of-distribution examples, they still perform better for the task at hand. Yes. I have a... I have a something, that, something that ticks so from, from this paper. Uh, this paper, by the way, has a lot of uh, references to Carl Jung and um, Freud. The OGs. Like, uh, peop like uh, people talk... Sh people talk so much shit about fucking Freud that they have no idea of the actual like the heat and the, the, the shit he contributed it's fucking nuts anyway uh, Carl Jung also and one thing about this overfitted brain hypothesis that I was thinking is like how do you how do you explain dreams that are, a lot of people have the same kind of dreams that are also very archetypical I had one dream that, and those are the dreams that really stuck with me I had one. I had a dream one time, where I think this was like this was this was right when I was sort of like just coming to, like towards it, towards it, I'm leaving home again, coming to here, coming here. Like, I think it was around that time. I had this dream where um, I was so there's an island, right? This island, this island, this beautiful island, surrounded by pure like waveless, like it was like flat glass. It was like it was the ocean. I knew in the gym, I knew it was the ocean, but it was glass, it was like, like smooth. It was so smooth. The point is, it was like a glass sheet around this island, right? So no ripples, nothing. Okay. And at the edge of this island, there was this park, like a theme park. Like a, it's not a theme park, but like it's like a park for people to enjoy themselves and have fun. And at this park um, were people just enjoying themselves, doing all the, going on all these rides. And the park extended into the ocean. And like, you know, there was like, Rides in the water and all this, all these like water rides. People having people having having a damn grand old time, okay. And I noticed that people are enjoying themselves, and parts of these rides and the parts of this the structure that the, the, that they build on this island were slowly disintegrating, like they were falling into the ocean and all that. They were like they were breaking, but no one was noticing, right? And I was like, I was the only one who I was like looking around. No one was noticing it but me, okay. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I dove into the water, right? And I was flying through this water. And in when I dove into the water, the water was full of giant alligators, like dinosaur size. I mean, in that in that dream, it's hard to explain. I perceived ancient reptiles that were the size of mountains, right? So the the island that I was underwater the island disappeared it was a dot in the sky I, and underneath I could see country sized giant alligators just swimming around this island right nipping at it Peterson predatory reptiles dude nipping at it at this structure right and like and they're waiting just like the the this un, the chaos underneath this disintegrating order right and 
that dream stuck i'm telling you now cuz it stuck with me so i w- i woke up that day like i felt transformed i was like it gave me like uh, because in that time i was struggling between wha- if i should leave sri lanka at the time or not cuz right cuz when uh, how long ago was that that was about three, about two, two and a half years ago mm. right because um uh, sorry three years ago before the program started two, three years ago um and uh, around that time a party was elected to the government which was like i knew this was like it just fucked right these these guys were openly killing journalists like this is not good right and um that dream was like and I, it's how i saw people around me like not seeing the monsters that are underneath the surface right waiting to engulf their little island which is sri lanka's island right i was like and i was like and i was like and i in that dream i was superhuman like i was in i was f- flying around the water like through their teeth like around their heads i could see right and i was transformed and the morning that morning i woke up so much like energy and just like drive how the fuck do you explain that like i have no idea like that was a such a defining moment for me and that could have been just days and days of thinking about this thinking about this thinking about this and your brain is finally like having this dream where it's showing you an out of distribution thing and something that's out of distribution but it's more real than reality right like it's a condensed version <coughs> is it's like taking reality with all of its noise taking the principal components and showing you just those principal components right yeah talking in machine learning terms it's almost a light in space of of reality just the read the key components shown very clearly in very simple terms that's right 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 so fascinating so maybe 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 what you're seeing in your, in your maybe what you're seeing in your dreams is not random training data it's the latent space <laughs> right but latent space in terms th- it's like latent space using tsni oh. right it's the latent space visualized in some way that you can understand cuz latent space uh, otherwise stretches through billions and billions of years of evolution through the <laughs> through the rea- through, through the existence of the universe itself how are you supposed to understand the latent space you're not right and maybe your dreams are like a are like a dimensional reduction representation like tsni to show you the meta real things which you can't really understand but still work on you at some level right as so that's that could be what it is i think that's more based on what on this paper that that, that just read uh, about uh, the, un, the 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 last line research with psychedelics could herald the beginning of a new scientifically informed psychoanalysis. No, not that. People would tell that the psyche must not confuse it with, like, with consciousness. No, the man's worst sin is unconsciousness. No. Oh, fuck, I have five points for the rest of it. 
so so like this was there's something in this paper where it was like um uh, it shows the latent hidden 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 the, uh, the unconscious the collective unconscious right the Carl Jung's collective unconscious is the unconscious that's been brought to you through millions of years of evolution to generation and you see that in your unconscious psyche right and the idea that psilocybin will enables you to sort of access the unconscious in a weird way right well it could be the paragraph where it talks about shamans and stuff I could have sworn I had this I really think that they do uh, make a reference to sleep, right? Because they say that uh, psilocybin they refer to as a primary state of consciousness, hmm? which is a state that basically refers back to a previous state of human brains, which is before the adult mature brain. Mm. So like an infant's brain or a prehistoric brain where we did not have this subcritical uh, state of the brain so when we did not optimize for as low entropy and they say that REM sleep is another example of a primary state of consciousness so I think that the decoupling that you see with psilocybin between let's say that it's the medial temporal lobes and the default mode network that also happens when you sleep so in a sense it's doing the same thing it's giving you this ability to detach from yourself from your ego and to experience things in ways that you were not able to experience them before. So it's like a trip. And when you wake up, woke up that next morning, it's like getting up the next morning after taking psilocybin. And you've been able to see the world from a different perspective, from a new point of view. So we know that REM sleep is actually like therapy. Uh, we, so for example, when you wake someone up while they're in REM sleep, uh, they are they'll be anxious and they'll be or they'll be depressed because they're actually dealing with the most emotional content yeah. of the day yeah. and you're actually asleep homeostatically changes depending on the kind of day you've had if you have a if you had a day of reading and collecting uh, information about facts and things and places and stuff you have more deep sleep if you have had a, if you had a rougher emotionally charged stressful day you have more REM sleep that human told me that. Boys, sleep is fascinating. What do you think we should read for the next paper? Usually we lock this up at 90 minutes. And now we should take the moment to lock in the next paper. Because we got to like, otherwise it never happens. Like fucking sit around wondering about this shit. We haven't done any machine learning things in a while, bro. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, we should probably let's 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 pick something a little bit a uh, li little bit a uh, little bit technical. Well, we could do both with the paper mentioned by Andre about replicating sleep in in machine learning algorithms with random. He no, he was talking about the. Uh, yeah, overfitted. Yeah, that, that's right. With dreams. The overfitted. The overfitted. Uh, In visual neural nets, if you try to replicate dreams and give them hallucinations, they no, speaking speak closer, bro. It's not going to pick it up. <coughs> they perform better. So, giving us an argument to the purpose of dreams to offer out of distribution training examples to the human mind for better generalization, you do a model. You do run a bunch of models 
that try to replicate dreams. How about you show how they perform better? How about we do this? How about we tell GPT Ooh. the kind of things that we're interested in? Use GPT four, not yeah, uh, GPT four. GPT plus, bro, come on, it's not all right. GPT four, who has access to the internet now because of the plugins, right? Okay. GPT-4, who has access to the internet. So let's sort of describe the kind of things that we talk about here and ask you to suggest some really influential papers. Maybe give it the, the previous Oh, right, yes, okay. Yeah. So. We had the reinforcement learning one, what was it called? Speech reinforcement Sh- learning? Um, yes, human human feedback to reinforcement learning. Okay, okay, no, that's, yeah. Can someone, okay, I can't fucking remember all the name, the paper, paper titles. Okay, just give me the paper titles so I can type it into this thing. The first one. Um, but don't you want an out of distribution? Ah, that's true. Why do you want? Yeah, it yeah. To l- l- let's not let's, let's not bias it with Why the things you want. Why do you want it to interpolate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let, let, let but let's. It can't be random. Like we are studying. We are. What, what are we interested in? We're interested in. Yeah. We're studying. But cognitive science includes AI. No. What is that? What are the five things in cognitive science? It's AI, psychology, no, computer science, psychology. There you go. <laughs> Anthropology, philosophy, neuroscience, <laughs> psychology, artificial intelligence, linguistics. Linguistics is like the shitty cousin no one wants, but <laughs> but can't seem to get rid of. Like real, real, real talk. How many linguists work at OpenAI? Probably none. I don't know. They prob- probably like one or two. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, do do you think anthropologists work at OpenAI? Yeah, why <laughs> well, not? Seems the shitty cousin. Okay, okay, okay. So let's say okay, okay. No, no disrespect. Just a, a bit of disrespect. Not too much. Disrespect. Uh, okay, uh, okay. Suggest. <laughs> I'm good friend with many anthropologists. That's not true. <laughs> it could be. Come, come, hit me up. Journal club. There any, uh, if there are any redhead anthropologists out there, <laughs> hit them up. Yeah, we're studying artificial guys. intelligence <laughs> and cognitive science. Recommend five influential papers that we might like. We enjoy. What do we enjoy? We, we all kinds of we abstract. Abstract. Okay, let's say let's let, let's say with no prompt what it says. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Here are five influential papers in the intersection of artificial intelligence and cognitive science that you might enjoy. Computing machinery and, in, and intelligence, right? Alan Turing. Yes, mm-hmm. f- you already read that. Thank you. Yes, you all read that. Good, good, good recommendation. What's the next one? Perceptrons, introduction to computational geometry. Yeah. Marvin Minsky. Shit, okay. yeah. no, no, this is the one where they're like, they're like, uh, oh, we can't, neural networks can't work because they're fucking some shit oh. about that. Yeah. Um, fa- framework for representing knowledge, Marvin Minsky. Again? Man, fuck this guy. Con- this paper introduced the concept of frames as data structures for representing stereotypical situations. It's yeah, an old. It's well a I it's a cornerstone in the field of knowledge representation, which is an important area of AI. <laughs> I would ask it for recent papers, like last ten years. Yeah. Attention is all you need at number five. Ah, yeah. well, that's a good one. Okay, so actually, if you've read one, two, uh, and you've read one, two, two and three, w- seen in class, one, two, and th- we read one, two, and one and two. 
four and <laughs> we read four of the five papers. We've already we've already read. Yeah, I've also read attention is all you need. One, yeah, that's the one, two, corners, four, and five. Give us something more. Actually, what about a approach readable approach to quantum uh, computing? What about something? What about a paper that is a gentle <laughs> introduction to quantum computing? Quantum computing is applicable in complex fields. For general introduction, you might consider quantum computing for computer scientists. Isn't the paper about a book? Oh, okay, well, that's not useful. Um, <laughs> there's literally literally a paper called literally a paper called quantum computing a gentle introduction what uh, is that actual paper or are you just hallucinating GPT <laughs> let's find out because I'm curious about this I've been curious about it for a while now yeah. nope it's an actual paper good job Good job, little AI. <laughs> All right, uh, it's more technically, as I, I, I suppose. So all I, all I know about quantum computers right now is apparently how, if it works the way it works, then it's doing computations in, in parallel universes, essentially, right? That's the, that's the gist that I got. And I'm like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> like, okay. That sounds so fucking sci-fi. Then that is, yeah, it's like reality is actually weirder than sci-fi is. Yeah. Definitely sure. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think we can probably. I'm gonna knock this episode off because uh, we'll decide the we'll decide the paper here before we leave. But again, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, the boys are not gonna drink. Yeah. Anyway, bye bye. This has been a one deeper podcast. Thanks for joining, and I hope you learned something. Catch you again next time.